Full 10 Yards Podcast. Yes, welcome in everybody to the Full 10 Yards Podcast Fantasy Edition where every yard counts, but only if you play decimal scoring. Yes, I know I said that last week, but I like it. It's going to stick. <laughs> My name is Rob Grimwood. I'm your host today. You can find me on Twitter at FFBritBaller. You can find the show at F10YFantasy. And yeah, this is us. This is our second show this week. First time we've done two shows in a week, the fantasy podcast anyway. And uh, it's such a good one coming your way. We've got Mike Taglier from Fantasy Pros. Genuinely the nicest guy in the business. Uh, I spoke to him off air and he's just he's just nice. He's just a genuinely a nice guy. So really looking forward to, to giving you that because it's a really good one where we talk breakouts and busts for this year's fantasy football. Uh, so yeah, what better way than to give you the advice of Mike Taglia on our podcast for this upcoming draft season. But before we get there, uh, last week, not last week, last episode with Tom Kissenberry, I, I kind of glossed over the news, said there was some training camp jargon, whatever. But today there is some news. We're going to go through it. Um, there's some, some, yeah, some big news regarding one of the best wide receivers in the league. So without further ado, let's get the news. Uh, topping the news today. Topping the news today. News. News. Well, where do we start? I reckon we should probably start on the fact that Michael Thomas has become the highest paid wide receiver in NFL history. A five-year, $100 million extension. That's absolutely insane, but well worth it. I mean, obviously his... One of the best wide receivers in the league, super super talented, and I quite I, I can understand why he wanted to get this deal done. Um, you know, Drew Brees is going to be gone in the next couple of years. There's no telling who's going to be his replacement. Uh, is Teddy Bridgewater going to stick around? Are they going to draft someone in the next couple of years? Uh, so there's question marks. There's going to be question marks. So yeah, get it done now, Michael Thomas, and he has done. Um, well, I'm just looking at the guaranteed money. I think there's. I think I read earlier 60 something guaranteed um 61 million guaranteed so a monster monster contract but well deserved uh, from the Saints star wide receiver Michael Thomas uh Juju Smith-Juster is hosting an insane celebrity league on Sleeper this year apparently a massive advert for Sleeper I think that all that is um, so it'd be interesting to see who is in that um a quick take on um on Zeke <coughs> excuse me uh, Zeke's quote-unquote holding out um, from training camp. Uh, it, it won't be for long, guys. All of you who are worried about it, don't be. Uh, he Literally, he has to report back um, before the start of the season. If if not, he'll lose uh, a year of his contract, basically. So he, he has to report back. He has to play this year. So don't worry about Zeke. This is just a stunt to say, look, Lev Bell did it. Melvin Gordon's doing it. I can do it too if you don't give me a contract extension. So he's going to get fined. I think I think it's something like thirty thousand dollars a week or something like that um, for missing training camp. But he'll be back. Yes, he's in Mexico by all accounts. Yes, he's in Cabo, but that's exactly where he went when he was in on his rehab uh, when he was uh, uh, banned. So he's out there working out at his agent's house or holiday home, I believe. So. 
don't worry about Zeke. Um, Jerry Jones. I saw something about Jerry Jones saying something about uh, um, you don't have to win a Super Bowl with a, you don't have to have a superstar running back to win a Super Bowl. But actually, that the media doing media things cut that short. Um, what Jerry then went on to say was, uh, you know, but having someone like Zeke is imperative in the team, um, and obviously they want to keep him. So, so yeah, it's, don't don't read between the lines of this one it's it's Zeke being Zeke he's gone over to Mexico to do his own thing to work out he's gonna play this year he's gonna be back um he's dropping on draft but I saw him go 107 108 the other day um and in mock drafts he's going sometimes later don't don't do that I mean if you're if you're sitting there at the seventh eighth ninth pick and Zeke Elliott's still there just you've got to take him he's he's still for me he's still my my running back one number one he's he's my number one overall in fantasy football this year um across the board I believe in in non-PPR 0.5 and PPR leagues He's still my number one. He's, it's not going to change. Um, I will. I will worry about it if he hasn't done anything before preseason week four. Um, you know, if he's still not back by then, then then I'll worry about it. But he should be. I think he has to be. If not, he loses his um, a, a season or his contract. Uh, similarly for Melvin Gordon, actually. Obviously, we know uh, that's quite a, a difficult saga because he is in. He's in his fifth year option. Um, but people need to. St- just stop thinking this is the same as Le'Veon Bell because it's not the same situation as Le'Veon Bell. It, it, in fact, it's completely different. The only thing is the same is that they're running backs that are holding out. So Le'Veon Bell was on a franchise tag, so he didn't sign it. He didn't have to play. Bottom line, that that was on him. Melvin Gordon is still contracted. He's in his fifth year option, which the Los Angeles Chargers activated last year. There's no signing. There's no ifs or buts for Melvin Gordon. You're contracted. He has to play. He has to turn up at some point this year. I think the cutoff is week 10, maybe. If he doesn't turn up by week 10, then he then he effectively loses a year. And the LA Chargers can just renew that five-year option for next season. So, again... Zeke has to play this year. He has to turn up. I think he has to be there by week one, I think. So don't worry about Zeke. Melvin Gordon has to be uh, playing by week 10. So again, he's going to play this year. So if Melvin Gordon is dropping down... Now, Lee Wakefield, he told he said yesterday, he picked up Melvin Gordon. I'm, I'm sure he said it was a seventh round in a fantasy draft. Are you kidding me? Seventh round don't let melvin Gordon slip that far because even if he does play week 10 week 11 week 12 week 13 week 14 week 15 week 16 there's seven potential weeks he can play obviously i know the last three weeks of fantasy playoffs but you know you've you've got to shoot for it right you've got to be there so you can still have melvin gordon for seven weeks potentially six seven weeks so don't let him drop to the seventh round pick him up pick him up way before then don't let him drop to the third round. I mean, come on. Uh, monitor the situation. If he is definitely going to hold out, if nothing happens. Um, and it's, it's tough because we do, we probably won't know until draft season's over, right? But if something does happen, then, yeah. You, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. For now, pick him up because he's still he's got to play at some point this year. And I think he's gonna. They'll sign him. They'll sign him. They will sign him. They've got to. That's my opinion, anyway. 
Okay, the last little bit of news I, I want to just go into is, is Golden Tate. Golden Tate's been suspended for four games um, for something quite ridiculous. And this is detriment of the NFL and the way it's going and why I keep tweeting out the NFL is becoming more and more like FIFA every day. This is why, because NFL have suspended Golden Tate for four games for um, substance abuse, or uh, not substance abuse, PDs, um, uh, performance-enhancing drugs. Now, this PED, this banned substance that he had, was nothing to do with his, his fitness. It wasn't steroids. It was nothing to do with his game. It was in April. Um, he and his wife trying for a baby. Um his doctor prescribed him uh not steroids um supplements you know and he's taking them supplements didn't know they were banned so he he's taking supplements for his body to try and improve his chances of having a baby with his wife and he didn't realize that one of the substances in in those um in those things was banned he didn't know so as soon as he found out, he stopped taking them. As soon as he found out, he went to the league and said, look, this is what's happened. I'm really sorry. I didn't know anything about it. I only took a, a, few, a couple of weeks worth. It's in April. It's completely off, system, off, off season. It'll be out of my system by the time the season rolls around. And he's got a four-match ban. Are you kidding me? After what you've just gone through with Tyreek Hill, you're then going to turn around and punish Golden Tate four games for an innocent mistake. Unjust. Absolutely unjust, if you ask me. I hate that story. I absolutely hate it. Um, so much so, I drafted Golden Tate in the seventh round of one of my drafts uh, tonight, actually. Um, because he'll be back, and he'll be he'll be good. I mean, Sterling Shepard, another bit of news, Sterling Shepard's broke his thumb. So uh, he'll be questionable for week one, no doubt. Uh, they're saying he's going to be back. Corey Coleman, the other wide receiver in the Gi- at the Giants, uh, note his He's torn his ACL, so he's out for the season. Uh, yeah, wideouts in 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 the Giants camp right now is is uh, is about as skinny as a runway model. So good luck with that, Giants fans. Um, I apologise in advance, but Sterling Shepard should be back week one, week two, and Golden Tate obviously back week five. Anyway, I am rambling now with this new segment. Um, let's. Let's get into the meat of the show. This is uh, a fantastic interview with with Mike Taglier uh, from Fantasy Pros. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll drop you into that right now. Okay, folks, joining me now is one of my favourite fantasy analysts. I must admit, and I, I do love listening to him on the Fantasy Pros. It is, of course, Mr. Mike Taglier, sir. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? It's like we're we're in different worlds here. It's not very often I'm uh, I'm talking over the pond. Yeah, man. Uh, people in the in the UK, we play fantasy football too. You know, it's uh, it's uh, worlds apart, but we still we still we still speak the same language. You know, absolutely. And we're I mean, we're getting more and more connected as time goes on with these international games. Yeah, I was, was going to ask you about those. What what do you? How do you feel about these? I mean, I know for people on the West Coast, particularly, they're they're difficult to to get up and and watch the early morning games when they're in Wembley. But what's the general consensus from what's your opinion on on us having a load of games over in London? 
I think it's difficult to pull off. Now, the NFL, what they've done, obviously making the bye week after, you know, each team, when they when they go over there, they have their they have the choice to take their bye week after that game. I think yeah. that's the best way to do it because jet lag is a real thing when you're on a plane for that many hours, which is why it's I, I think it's going to be really difficult for them to do it in a fair way where it doesn't hurt one or the, one team or the other, where it's like, you know, if, if the London team is traveling over to the States and then, you know, like they're at a disadvantage where because obviously the team that's playing at home out here you know, they've been sleeping in their own beds. Uh, and then you have the team that travels out to London. It just, it creates somewhat of an unfair advantage. I understand why they want to make it international, but I think at some point they might have to just do like an international league in order to make it, I, I guess, fair, or at least make a division of teams out there where it's just basically, it just levels the play, playing field because right now I just think it would be too difficult to make it fair for everyone. Yeah, I agree with you. And actually, it's kind of, we're, over here we're split on the fence whether we, whether we want to see a London franchise, whether we don't, um, myself and, and Tim, one of the other uh, podcasters at the Full Ten Yards, he, he, we're we're very much actually. I think all three of us actually are against it. We we don't want a franchise yeah. over here just because for us it's it's the magic of America's game, and yes. you know that's that is it for us. You know, yeah, it's 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 a pain in the ass when we have to record podcasts and we have to match up everyone's time zones, but it's you know it's fine. It's part of the beauty of it for us, and I think that if if a franchise did come over to London full time, I think after a couple of years, I think the novelty would wear off. I think that the crowds would start to decrease. And I think you're just going to get your, the team whoever comes over because it's not going to be a good team. You know, we're not going to get a Green Bay or, or your Chicago, for example. <laughs> you're going to get the Dolphins. <laughs> exactly. We're, we're going to get a, 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 a run of the mill team. That's sort of a Tennessee. Sorry, Tennessee fans. Uh, but, you know, that, that kind of a fan base it, it, I don't know. Jacksonville is obviously the obvious one, um, but whoever comes over, they're not going to be a great team. So I, I do think it's going to be, oh great, we've got a team over here. Let's let's uh, go to every game for two or three years, and then after the novelty wears off, I think it's going to fade away. I think that'd be disappointing. That's my point of view anyway from from it all. Um, anyway, let's let's get into some more serious chat. I know that you're a massive golf. Um, fanatic <laughs> uh, tags and I work on a golf course as a greenkeeper so I'm 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 sort of on your wavelength here I want to know have you ever came over to the UK to play golf I have not I've actually never been to the UK in, in like as in general uh, I wish I had I wish I had been. I swear to God, it's it's, it's one place that I definitely want to go. It's just a matter of finding time to, um, you know, find. I don't want to go over there with kids. Okay, so yeah. the reason it's like my daughter is 16 and she just started driving, but my son is two and a half, and we had that gap in between. And then in between, you know, the kids is when I was trying to make this a career, where it's like I was working, you know, my full time job, and I was working football at nights and doing so many different things, where I was working so many hours to get two weeks away to travel overseas. It was really difficult. Um, yeah, it, sure. It's difficult to take vacations even now because, as you know, the NFL just doesn't have an off season. And you know, when I'm when when trying to make a trip over there, I want to make it you know worth it. I want mm -hmm. I want to spend two weeks over there to see everything that I want to see that I probably should see. Um, so I haven't been, but um, I know the golf is amazing. <laughs> I know there's <laughs> a lot of history out there. there. There's so many things that I would love to see out there, but um, unfortunately, no, I've never played golf or visited there. Oh man, you're missing out. I mean, yes. I've, I've never played golf in America, so I can't really, I mean, I can relate the opposite <laughs> way. Uh, but, you know, it's, um, you should come over for the international series, man. You can catch a game so you can technically be working. And I say well, that the crazy in speech bubbles, right? That's the crazy part, though, is that people don't realize. Uh, so with the job that I have, it, it 
I'm unable to go to games unless they are on a, a Thursday night because uh, I say that because Thursday night games, basically the primer that I work on all week and I publish on Thursday, I get that done. And then I have, my, the, my, you know, my my Friday and Saturday are those are like the days where it's like I have some work to do, but not too, too much sure. where I can go watch a game on Thursday night and go tailgate and all that stuff. Uh, but on Sundays, you know, I have a live stream Sunday morning. Uh, I'm obviously watching the games, whereas if I go to a game, then I'm basically not watching any other football. So then I have to come back home, watch the games to actually comment on them. And then I'm behind a full day in writing and podcasts and all that stuff. So believe it or not, like there, there's some <laughs> things you sacrifice for this job. And one of the things I've sacrificed is, uh, is going to games. And, um, last year was a really tough one. I, uh, I, I had an invite to go see, uh, the bears Patriots. It was probably Tom Brady's last game at soldier field. Oh, and, uh, they had box seats and everything. Oh, and, man. um, I had to pass on it, but uh, uh, the price we pay, right? Yeah, that's it. Well, I say all you need to do is sort of befriend a guy from England and, you know, come over and use his podcast studio if you need to. Nice. Uh, you know, I've got the setup. So just hit me up when you're coming over, Tags, and we'll, we'll sort something out. Sweet. I'm going to talk to the bosses and see if I could expense this entire trip. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, that would be brilliant. Uh, anyway, let's get into the uh, the reason I brought you onto the show today was uh, was to hear your takes on your breakouts and busts. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, so yeah, I guess without further ado, as as my guest, I'll let you go first, Mike. Give me a, give me your your main breakout from this season potentially. Well, I mean, breakout is, is it's hard to define nowadays because everybody mm-hmm. feels like you know, like Chris Godwin, they may have say has already broken out. You know, Mike Williams kind of already broken out. But you know, if you're talking about a player that is kind of like off the radar and not being, you know, he's been taken like well outside the top ten rounds. Uh, Anthony Miller is someone that I'm paying very close attention to. Cool. Um, you know, playing in Matt Nagy's offense, it, it's it's one thing. You know, everybody there last year, uh, Mitch Trubisky was his first year in the offense. They had a, you know, James Daniels was someone they drafted uh, first, a new starting offensive lineman. He had a new starting tight end. Uh, Allen Robinson was coming off a torn ACL. Also a new team. Taylor Gabriel, new team. There were so many moving parts in this Bears offense. Uh, but Anthony Miller, the reason I'm excited about him is that he was someone, you know, when it comes to pass catchers, if you deal with a foot injury, typically that year, you want no part of them. Okay. Um, it's like a calendar year thing where it's like, even if they had surgery in like a February, when it comes to the season in my research that I've done, I've noticed that the, that if, if it's that calendar year, they have a tough time coming back from it. Yeah. Anthony Miller broke his foot at Memphis and that's why he wasn't able to participate in the combine. And then on top of that, he, he suffered a he separated his shoulder five to six times they estimated which required surgery this offseason to fix and they did and now he's back in camp and everything seems fine so him he's someone i'm watching because you know alan robinson is a player he's a baller he's a good receiver but his cost is obviously a lot higher than anthony miller's alan robinson is going to see all the top tier corners that they're going to face he's going to see the number ones anthony miller plays slot predominantly like he's almost always in the slot and that's like a mismatch for Matt Nagy and they found it last year I mean Miller had seven touchdowns last year um, on minimal targets you know I think this year he could swap targets with with someone like Taylor Gabriel uh, where not many people realize Gabriel had 92 targets last year so Anthony Miller if he walks into a role like that he's he was dominant in the red zone at Memphis so maybe he just has a knack for the red zone uh, and knowing the competition they have with him in the slot as the number two receiver there, I love Anthony Miller as a potential breakout. 
Yeah, man. I, I, you can see it definitely. I mean, like you said, I think Alan Robinson is is sort of the main guy for for your Bears, but uh, definitely Anthony Miller is someone uh, flying low on radars right now, which maybe needs to sort of yeah come to fruition. Uh, definitely intrigued to see him the first few weeks how they use him. Um, I I guess then that means that you're not worried about Cordero Patterson. You know, <laughs> you're not worried about Emmanuel Hall or Riley Ridley at all coming in and breaking out. No, Riley Ridley, I feel like, is the handcuff to Allen Robinson, and I feel like like Hall is the handcuff to Taylor Gabriel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like those players have a, a specific role on the team. Um, I do like Hall an awful lot. I know he wasn't drafted, but when the Bears were – he was one of the first undrafted free agents to sign. Yeah. I loved it because I felt like Hall was a, a top three, four-round guy. Uh, it reminded me a lot of Mike Wallace – uh, coming out sure. uh, like when you know back in his Pittsburgh days but uh so that could, he could be a player down the line but I'm not worried about those guys it's just more about the as long as Mitch Trubisky continues to develop in his career I think yep. that there could be a lot of potential in this offense that's really untapped because Tariq Cohen can't take 80 yard runs to or you know screen passes to the house you know every single week they're going to be moving the ball through the air this year uh the, the defense is going to take a step back losing Vic Fangio you can't expect that defense to play like they did last year it's just unreasonable so um, there will be more pass attempts. Trubisky should take the next step. This is the second year in the offense for everybody involved. And Anthony Miller flashed his rookie year even while playing through injuries. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Now, I, I similarly to you, I've gone for a second-year player as well as my breakout. Slightly higher in, in the ADP. He's currently being drafted as the wide receiver 34. And I'm talking about San Francisco's very own Dante Pettis. Now, Looking through my ranks here, I've got Dante Pettis ranked way higher than than the consensus. Uh, even on the ECR on your fantasy pros, he's he's currently going uh, being ranked as the thirty first wide receiver. I have him at wide receiver twenty one. Uh, I'm expecting him to fly out of the gates for for San Francisco this year, and and I, I think I've got good reason as well because obviously we know Jimmy G's back. And we've got a lot more offense back than what we had last year because they were decimated in the skill positions. I think Dante Pettis showed me last year, and there was a few wow moments. I remember texting my best friend who has Pettis on his uh, one of his dynasty teams. And I said, wow, Pettis is, he's good. He's real good. Like there was a couple mm-hmm. of really wow moments. And I think this year is this year, it's his year to step up now. And like I said, with Jimmy G back, with that offense back intact, I think they're going to make the use of of Kittle over the middle and Dante Pettis out wide. And I think those two guys are going to be lights out for for San Fran. Um, I I do know that you like Dante Pettis because I listened to your show and you spoke about him yesterday, I think. So I I know you're on board with this, Uh, but he's got a good chance, right? He does. And that's like most people don't realize he didn't really play in in a full time capacity until like week 10 and a week from week 10 through week 16. He was a better fantasy receiver than Adam Thielen. And that was with Nick Mullins as a starter. Like we we can't undervalue that. Uh, Mm -hmm. Dante Pettis is a natural separator. And and I love wide receivers like that. Calvin Ridley was a guy like that out of college where it's like these guys give their quarterbacks bigger targets. They may not be the biggest guys, but they create so much separation that a quarterback doesn't have to be, you know, he doesn't have to throw the ball in a very tight window like you would with with someone like Nikhil Harry. I'm not a big fan of because he's not a separator. Um, but Dante Pettis is the clear number one there. The question is, 
does Debo Samuel walk into a role right away? Because if Debo Samuel, you know, walks into the starting lineup, that's a little concerning. But I don't think it happens just because we didn't see it with Pettis last year. Exactly, I think, exactly. And that I, I think they ease these wide receivers in. I think Marquise Goodwin still has a pretty big role as the field stretcher. You know, with when you have you know George Kittle over the middle of the field, it's going to take some attention mm-hmm. there. But the tight end targets are more correlated with the running backs. So I'm not I'm not worried about Kittle affecting Pettis. Uh, I think Pettis is his, his own entity, and I I do believe that he's a startable fantasy wide receiver this year is like I think you, you draft him as a wide receiver three and you hope that he turns into more and I think it is possible do you think it's possible that Dante Pettis is a thousand yard receiver this year I think it's very possible yeah. I mean it, it's it's really difficult to to find a way that he doesn't see 100 targets I've had people talk to me about this and say that they're projecting him to 90 to 100 yard uh, 100 target range I just don't know if I feel that way. I mean, the San Francisco defense did take a step up in their front seven, but their secondary is still very suspect. You know, they should allow some points and, you know, there should be some shootouts. I don't know if they have a running back, you know, that could pound the ball. They don't have Mm -hmm. that Adrian Peterson that's going to carry the ball 25 times per game. Uh, Between Tevin Coleman and Jarek McKinnon, who's hurt already, and Matt Breida, these are guys that, you know, they're, they're not, they're not, you know, guys that are going to rack up the rushing attempts. They're just not that way. Um, so I think it's possible for Pettis. Do I think it's likely? I wouldn't set the over under at a thousand yards or anything like that, but I think it is absolutely within the range of outcomes. Yeah, yeah I mean, I've got him statted out just for uh, just a clip over a thousand yards, thousand twenty four uh, with with seven to eight touchdowns. So I, you know, that's why he's so high for me, uh, mm-hmm. being just borderline on the uh in the 20 uh, well, it's 21st for me yeah so borderline top 20 wide receiver and I'm, I'm more than comfortable with that um a couple of honorable mentions uh why we just got a couple more minutes left on this on this section of breakouts. so i just want to say i'm a massive fan of dd westbrook this year just because I, I like the opportunity that he's got to be the out and out wide receiver one i'm not a massive fan of nick Foles. i'm not a massive fan of that jacksonville offense but i think his volume might dictate that in sort of half PPR leagues and PPR leagues, he, he's gonna he's gonna be a real sort of asset at wide receiver, sort of borderline two three. Uh, so I think he's definitely a guy uh, to look out for. Um, and also later on, a, d- a deeper kind of guy for me. And I'm I'm not gonna speak too much about him because I'm gonna talk next week on on the show. I've got um, with our guests. We're gonna talk about sleepers. So. It's it's Miles Boykin actually the rookie from Baltimore. I, I I'm a little bit biased, Mike, because I I am a Notre Dame fan, so <laughs> uh, I am a little bit biased. But to see his combine as well, he absolutely smashed the combine, and he is a physical specimen. And I think that if Lamar Jackson is able just to step his game up just slightly in the passing game, Miles Boykin is an all-round superb wide receiver. I know they've got Marquise Brown questionable with it with the injury right now. Are they? I think he's back, but. Is he going to be that effective? I don't know. Miles Boykin can do everything, so I think he's going to be a guy that could potentially be peppered with targets in the in that offense. I mean, what, what what's your takes on on Miles Boykin and Dee Westbrook? You and I are going to differ on that one quite okay. a bit um, <laughs> because so Miles Boykin is someone that he has a that that prototypical like that big body that you look for in a wide receiver. Sure. Um, but the here's the issue is that. This is going to be a run-first offense uh, in Baltimore. Uh, he yeah. at, at right now, I would say he's behind Hollywood. Um, he's behind apparently Chris Moore is running ahead of him, and they have Willie Sneed running in the slot. Um, so he's like the number four receiver. Even if he breaks his way into the starting lineup, gets past Chris Moore, which should not be tough. Um, understand that Lamar Jackson started uh, seven games, seven regular season games last year. 
Not a single game did he complete more than uh, 14 pass, uh, passes, which obviously kills uh, fantasy wide receivers. It's the same thing for Josh Allen, where I won't draft guys that are attached to these passers because while Lamar Jackson can get better as a passer and take the next step in his career, we don't see inaccurate passers just suddenly, you know, all of a sudden become, you know, Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. They don't do that. It's just it's not who they are because it would be a cheat code. You know, Lamar Jackson, if he was at a very accurate passer, he would be the cheat code and he would be drafted number one in fantasy football. Um, I just don't see this being an offense that they want. They're going to throw the ball a little bit more this year, but I don't see nearly enough targets or completions to make Miles Boykin anywhere close to consistent enough to, to, to trust in your fantasy team. I mean, would it shock me if he has one or two games that kind of pops up and makes you wonder, should I snag him? But as long as Lamar Jackson's starting for this team, I'm not I'm not buying any of their pass catchers unless it's if, – if you can get Marquise Brown – in like the last round, I'm fine with him as a flyer. He reminds me of like a sure. Deshaun Jackson type receiver. And if yeah. you know, if, if there's anything that that I do think that Lamar Jackson could do, it's is he can buy time. And if he's not going to run the ball, if he buys time behind the line of scrimmage, there's not a single cornerback in this league that could hang with Marquise Brown for more than a couple seconds. It's kind of like that Tyreek Hill effect, um, where it's just these guys have stupid speed. So I don't want to attach myself to anyone really in this passing game. I just feel like there's just not enough to go around. Oh, that's absolutely fair. I completely understand that. I just, I just wonder now they've sort of spent a little bit more capital on improving the offense. I mm-hmm. just wonder if it's it's a bit of an upgrade for me for last year. So I wonder if Lamar Jackson's just going to use it more. That's all. Well, it's so, it's fair to say, but it's fair to say they upgraded their running backs too, like Mark Ingram and Justice yeah. Hill. Uh, I would say are better than the combination of Kenneth Dixon and Gus Edwards. True. Very true, very true. Um, okay, let's head into some busts uh, then, Mike. Take us away. Who's your biggest candidate to be a potential bust this year? I don't know why people are drafting Robbie Anderson as high as they are. Oh, um, man, he's, I agree. He's someone that I would take Dante Pettis over in a heartbeat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, I, I just don't understand why people are attracted to, to Robbie Anderson right now because he's a guy that last year, okay, he played with Sam Darnold last year. And Darnold, for as good as, like, he finished the year, he was a very inconsistent quarterback. He was a rookie. I get it. But now he's got to learn a new offense. They have Adam Gase coming to town who basically destroys fantasy value on everything he touches. Um, but Robbie Anderson has never been a consistent receiver. He's been a downfield threat. And that's why I think we heard the quote from Adam Gase just a couple of days ago saying, we need Robbie Anderson to be a more complete receiver, run more than a couple routes. I don't know if that was a slight on Anderson, like saying you need to, to run routes like more, uh, uh, more diverse package of routes, or if it was like, we need to use him more than he was used with the previous regime. I don't really know. Um, what I do know is that they did bring in Jamison Crowder. Uh, they talked about him catching, you know, 70 to 80 passes, which I actually I think that's more realistic um, than than seeing Robbie Anderson as a top 20 fantasy wide receiver, because Anderson like this is going to be a run first team. They brought in Le'Veon Bell for a reason. They're going to dump off some passes to him. They have Jamison Crowder, Quincy Anunua. Eh, he developed some chemistry with Darnold last year, but I, I don't want any part of a team that is coached by someone like Adam Gase, who runs anywhere from 55 to 58 plays per game with a second year quarterback who is inconsistent that regardless of what people think, he got benched for Josh McCown. Uh Um, There's just so much here that there is going to be no consistency in that offense for any player outside of Le'Veon Bell. And even Le'Veon Bell, the upside is extremely limited for him where I don't consider him a first round pick. Uh, But Robbie Anderson, the love for him, it, I don't get it. Like he's someone that's being drafted. I, at one point he was being drafted ahead of Alshon Jeffrey. And I was like, 
Are we serious? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm like, looking. I'm looking at the the ADP now, and and Alshon Jeffrey is is wide receiver 29, which for me is baffling. Anyway, I literally just wrote an article yesterday on on this. Um, and Robbie Anderson's wide receiver 30. Now mm-hmm. it, he's just ahead of Sammy Watkins, which you can understand because Sammy Watkins is going backwards now that Tyreek Hill is back. Um, but yeah, he's going ahead of Dante Pettis, Christian Kirk, even Sterling Shepard. For me, I'd probably have slightly higher than Robbie Anderson. I don't even like Corey Davis this year, but I would take Corey Davis over Robbie Anderson. Sure. Um, Anderson last year, people don't realize, like, he was a wide receiver three or better. Like, wide receiver three is not hard to accomplish. That's top 36. He was a wide receiver three or better in just 28.6% of his games. That's terrible. Like, that's basically, like, that's the usable mark. Like, he was usable 29% of the time. Yeah. That's terrible. Terrible. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I've never been a massive Robbie Anderson fan. I know he flashes. Um, I know he's, he's kind of a, a deep guy that, that looks good on the field, but I've, I've never bought into it. And for, for like you just said, and for him to be drafted uh, as high as he is, is is a little bit, yeah, it's a little bit crazy for me. Yeah. Um, now, I'm going to turn some heads with this one, I think. Um, I, I don't like Aaron Jones, man. And <laughs> the, the, re- the reason being is he he tends to pick up a lot of injuries, a little nicks. Uh, again, I'm, I'm going to sound like a, such a homer right now when I talk about Notre Dame. I love Dexter Williams as well coming into mm-hmm. Green Bay. I think it's a really good spot for him. His comp coming into the NFL, I saw a lot of people comping him to Aaron Jones as well. Um, so I think that has potentially become a crowded backfield. And Aaron Jones, for me, yes, he's talented, but has he got the talent to to take take that position and I don't want to say run with it because that'd be such a stupid pun but (laughs) you know what I mean I mean what are your thoughts on Aaron Jones are you do you love Aaron Jones this year or are you reserved like I am Aaron Jones is one of my guys this year but um okay Okay, let's I will I I will say that I'm a little um like I don't I don't I don't know if Matt LaFleur is as good as everyone Mm. thinks he is um like as a a coach or as a offensive play caller uh, I think some guys are better suited in you know offensive coordinator roles I don't I'm not saying that that's that he's one uh I have no idea we have never seen him as a head coach so you can't really comment on it what I do know is that Mike McCarthy was not a good head coach I know people uh because I I didn't uh I do an article every year ranking the head coaches, and I had McCarthy going into last season. So it's not based on last year. Um, going into last year, I had him in as a bottom eight head coach in the NFL. Didn't like him at all. I felt like he held back that team. So even if LaFleur isn't great, I, I feel like I'm hoping, <laughs> I should say, that he's a step up from Mike McCarthy as an offensive mm. play caller. So uh, Aaron Jones is someone that whenever he's gotten the opportunity, he's been fantastic. Uh, I understand it took way too long last year for him to get that opportunity. But when he was the starter, he was a top five option, like legitimate. You take the weeks he started, got touches. He was a top five running back. Yeah, I want the running back that's starting alongside Aaron Rodgers because that guy presents tons of value. There is no... There is no defensive coordinator in the league that says, we're going to shut down the run. We're going to make Aaron Rodgers beat us. No, nope, nope. We're going to take away Aaron Rodgers, and we're going to make them beat us in other ways is basically what a head coach wants to do. Sure. So Aaron Jones, if he's the starter there, I want him. Uh, the stat I had on that was um, over the last – Essentially, with running backs, if you're looking for a, a, a true breakout potential running back, you're looking for a team that's going to finish in the top half of the league in scoring, and we know that the Packers are. No matter who their coach is, Rodgers is going to be there. Um, and over the last seven years, there have been, you know, we, we do the math, seven times six, there have been uh, 42 top six running backs. Not a single one of them came from a team that was bottom 16 in team scoring. 
Okay. Well, uh, and that's on a po- it's on a point per game basis, so it's basically it's it's wiping out injuries and all that stuff. Sure. That that tells you a lot, basically, on what what you want to chase, and it's the reason that I was in on Sony Michelle last year, and it mm-hmm. you know. It, it the, the injuries at the beginning of the year obviously that held him back in terms of like what he gave you right away but it also dropped his price if Aaron Jones is the starter I think we're going to be talking about Aaron Jones next year as a top 12 fantasy pick in drafts I, I I believe that that's the type of upside that he has in this offense the question is does Matt LaFleur did he learn his lesson in in Tennessee you know he did the whole timeshare with Deion Lewis and Derrick Henry to start the year and then finally said you know what, maybe we should give this Derrick Henry guy a few more carries. <laughs> and like we all know how that ended. Towards the end of the season, Derrick Henry was a fantasy superstar. Yeah, Aaron Jones is fantastic. He can catch passes out of the backfield. I, he's someone that I'm attaching to just because I know the offense he's attached to and I know the potential. I don't think he's a sure thing. Like, I don't, Derrick Henry's not a sure thing. Carryon Johnson, you know, he flashed a little bit, but there's no guarantee that he gets more than the 15 touches per game that he got last year. Sure. Devonta Freeman is aging. You know, Ito Smith is someone they're, apparently excited about these are all running backs that do have question marks i just know that the packers offense is going to be good oh, d- don't don't mention Devonta freeman that touches a nerve with me because uh, I, <laughs> I i'm very high on Devonta freeman this year yeah uh, and, and yeah so but no going back to aaron jones i, I think for me it, it is mainly the injuries that worry me he's not practicing uh today uh because of a, a hamstring sort of lingering hamstring tightness he's got going on hamstrings in the preseason worry me uh, especially yeah. with running backs they do um and yeah coming off the knee injury last year he almost got a, a thousand yards I, I get it i still think he's going to fall short of a thousand yards this year and i do think that i don't i don't i don't know whether jamal williams does it for me at all i, I he's not impressed me once i don't think since he's been in the league but I do think Dexter Williams has got something about him. After watching him week in, week out for for, for Notre Dame last year, it is I am definitely biased, 100% biased. Uh, but I can see he is talented, and I can see that he can break his way into this offense, especially as he's a similar kind of player to Aaron Jones. I think, I, I just wonder if, if Aaron Jones is not 100% healthy and the other running backs there, the, the, both the Williams, is, have a, has a chance to, to just get a foot in the door it could quite easily become a committee. And and I think Aaron Jones is still going to be the lead guy. Absolutely. I've got him ranked as the lead guy. I still think he's going to get... Uh, I've got him down uh, around about the 900-yard mark. Uh, that's taken in, can, injuries into consideration slightly. I still think he goes mm-hmm. for eight touchdowns. But he is just outside of my top 20 uh, running backs this year uh, in fantasy football half-point scoring. So uh, the, the ADP for him at the moment is RB14. The ECR is, is RB16. So I am, mm-hmm. yeah, a few spots behind behind the what the, the general public is, is thinking. Yeah, no, it's fair. There, there's some risk associated with him, but the the way that I look at it is like you know Joe Mixon. He's someone that comes with uh, his offense is definitely not finishing in the top half of the league in scoring, uh, especially now with AJ Green dealing with injuries. He's lost two offensive linemen. You have Leonard Fournette who's dealt with some injury issues. The Jacksonville offense is not going to be great. Damian Williams. He's someone that comes with some risk because he's never carried a workload. Now he's dealing with an injury. Marlon Mack doesn't catch passes, therefore limiting his potential. It's like you start going through these names and you're like, none of these guys are sure things to me. I think Fournette, if I can guarantee that he was in the field, I would take him as a top 12 running back. Sure. But Aaron Jones presents the most upside to me where it's like, what guy can I see being a top considered a top six running back next year? And I think Jones leads that pack. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Okay, uh, a couple of honourable mentions, uh, and you have just mentioned one of them yourself, actually. Uh, and this is a little disclaimer from me. This uh, I 
I've been down on these two guys all off-season, ever since my first rankings came out in, in May. Uh, that's AJ Green. I've never been on the AJ Green train, and one of the reasons why was because of, of injuries. And he's kind of already proved me right this off-season already. And despite the Bengals seeming to think that they'll get him back, he'll get him back within four or five weeks. I think that's absolute baloney. I think it's going to be at least, at least eight weeks, I think. And then even then, from a torn ligament, you're not going to be 100% straight away. So I think AJ Green's going to struggle, particularly in the first half of the season. That's why he was a bust candidate for me, because the injuries were there, because um, he's aging. You've got the players that, I was funny enough, I was looking, the players that either were drafted the same year or the same age, Demarius Thomas, Des Bryant. And look what's happened to those guys. Um, you know, AJ Green is, is, is on the decline. So that's a reason why he was a big bust for me, post this injury uh, and the other guys again surprisingly some people not so so much to others is Philip Lindsay and purely because again injuries take a concern for me the wrist injury but I know he's back in in training camp now mm-hmm. uh, but Royce Freeman does scare me I think he's going to be a lot better this year I think it's going to be a committee so the reason why I didn't have Philip Lindsay as my main guy to talk about tonight is because his ADP has dropped to a point mm-hmm. now where I'm fairly happy that I could probably grab him actually uh, but before like when we we're talking May June he was in the sort of mid teens um, uh, in the in the ADP um anything to add on those two guys not really I think Lindsay just fallen to the point where he's definitely worth the risk yeah, uh sure. he was he was so efficient with his touches last year like he's someone that's actually probably being undervalued and I understand the reason that people want to undervalue him I was one of those people on waivers last year like not buying into it after week one saying yeah. that Royce Freeman was going to take the job they drafted him in the third round yada yada Philip Lindsay's just so small he can't I, I didn't think he was anything more than a change of pace guy even though I like Lindsay as a pass catcher coming out of college um but yeah, he's fallen to the point now where he's actually a value. I, I don't see any way that he doesn't get at least 12 touches per game, and he'll make it work with those touches. He's just an efficient running back is what he is. They're talking about using him more in the passing game, so I definitely like that. But uh, one player that I would like to mention uh, in that range that I would definitely be considering, and like he's falling in drafts, it's James White. James White should be considered like a top 20 running back in PPR formats. Yeah, um, He's one of the steals of fantasy drafts right now. Yeah, absolutely. I I can't disagree with that. Uh, Mike Taglia, thank you so much for coming on to the show tonight to talk some breakouts and some busts. It's been thoroughly enjoyable talking to you. Uh, you sir are one, we call you fantasy royalty. It's what I call you because uh, <laughs> you are you all your hard work that you do throughout the season and the off season. Uh, it pays off. Uh, so it's been a truly delight to talk to you, Mike. So thank you so much for coming on. That means so much, man. Like, like I, I, I can't thank you enough for having me on. I, I like talking football with anybody, sure. and uh, I, I appreciate the kind words. Like that, that left that, you know, it means everything. So I, I appreciate it. Well, it's, it's, it's guys like you and the guys from the fantasy footballers. This is why I got into this. You know, this is I sat down and I was listening to all your podcasts, thinking I, I, I really want to do this. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, you're, you're an inspiration, my man. So uh, again, thank you so much for your time, and uh, I hope you enjoy the beginning of the season and. I kind of hope your Bears do okay. I'm an Indy fan, so we're different (laughs) conferences. So, yeah, go Bears. Why not? (laughs) There we go. Go Indy. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, buddy. Thanks a lot. 
Well, there you have it, folks. That was Mike Taglier from Fantasy Pros. You can go find him on Twitter at Mike Taglier NFL. And I urge you, I urge you to go and add these guests that we've got on the show because they are the best. They're the best in the business. If you want to win your fantasy leagues, these are the guys that you need to get your advice from. Tom Kisenberry at the beginning of the week was fantastic. Mike, obviously, today was great. And we've got another whole plethora of, of guests coming on the show in the next couple of weeks. Uh, like I keep saying, Chris Meany's going to come on from the fantasy footballers to give some DFS advice. And that'll be, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, he's, he's obviously one of the best in the business when it comes to, to daily fantasy, which is your DraftKings and, and stuff like that. Um, and then next week, I, I might as well give you, I was going to leave it to a surprise, but I won't, I'll, I'll big them up because I've got James Coe and Marcus Grant coming on the show on the same day. I feel like I'm reuniting a boy band because they used to work together, of course, at the NFL Fantasy Live. James is now at Yahoo. Marcus Grant is still at NFL Fantasy Live and I am absolutely buzzing to get these two on together talking about fantasy football. Uh, So so yeah, that's going to come your way next week. Um, Other things going on here at the full 10 yards. Uh, Plenty of Britball stuff. There was a, a, a a Britball week breakdown uh, that Tim put on the website last week. Uh, there's a weekly uh, uh, a weekly articles from the the college lads Lee and his team over there are breaking down uh, colleges uh, and different players from college football. They're well worth checking out. Uh, they've, it'll blow your mind. Uh, you know they're really really good at what they do um so if you've got an interest even half an interest in college football go check that out uh, talking of college football lee has invited me onto his first ever college podcast so good luck lee um now really looking forward to it we're going to be talking out about players to look out for in college football this year so so watch out for that that'll be coming that'll probably be dropping over the weekend i think we're recording uh, on friday this week so so yeah look out for that uh so britball the betting stuff is going to start coming soon um adam wolford is working on that obviously as soon as the season drops you're going to have betting tips left right and center uh, and last year adam had uh, a terrific hit rate um, so it's well worth following him at touchdown tips but yeah i think that's about it for this show i hope you enjoyed it i certainly did uh, talking to to mike taglier like i said he's one of my genuinely is one of my heroes so uh, especially in this in, in fantasy football so uh, great to talk to him some great advice some breakouts and busts um i hope you got out of it as much as i did I think that's it now. So I will leave you in peace. Thank you so much for listening. Please go rate and review us on iTunes or Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to us because they mean a lot. We love listening and, and watching, watching, reading our, our reviews. Tell us how we're getting on. Um, you know, if you want me gone, if you don't want to hear my, my slender tones anymore, then fine, just tell us and I'll leave. No, I'm only joking. Um, but no, we love reading your reviews and listening to your feedback and, and seeing all that. So so keep it coming. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to go now because I am waffling. So uh, take care, peeps. And in the great words of Kevin Cadle, it's bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards or email the show full10yards at gmail.com.